right, and we are live. Ladies and gentlemen and variations thereof, welcome to the Elder Scrolls podcast, a casual Elder Scrolls lorecast. I'm today's host, Chris Nelson, better known as Rotten Deadite. With me today are... Chris Franzen, better known as Mojo. Came off the defiler, playing himself. Luther Weiser, better known as Darcy's. And uh, Putnam, better known as Putnam, or Putnam, or Putnam, or whatever people call me. A collection of verbs. Um, So today we're fighting through allergies, and uh, generally just discussing what what defines lore in the uh, Elder Scrolls universe. What uh, when we talk about lore, what what the heck are we talking about? And uh, which sounds kind of it sounded to me when we first started discussing this is sort of like superfluous. But um, in fact, what we're uh, it's actually kind of important to talk about this because there appears to be some confusion in the community about um, the difference between about, you know, concepts like what is lore is all canon lore is all lore canon and or is there any difference between either of them? And while we're not really going to try and discuss too much, you know, the subject of canon, we are going to talk about what constitutes lore that in ways that you may not actually think of. One of the first ones was um, the idea that uh, lore in the Elder Scrolls universe, I, I guess. OK, I'm going to go out on a limb here and start the discussion by giving a very general definition. Then you guys can tell me how totally painfully wrong I am which is that lore in the Elder Scrolls universe is any information that is given to the player about the universe of the games. Okay. The word player is kind of loaded. Okay, that's true. Well, any 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 information that is there for the player to receive? How about that? I I think any information that is there uh, to be interpreted by... um, the end user, you know, various through various means, um, you know, not just the games, but sometimes, I mean, I mean, just open the door, like, look at the pocket guides, you know, those aren't in the games, mm-hmm. uh, you know, even though they're presented as such, you know, I think it's um, important for lore is just anything that the end user um, can interpret as, um, you know, Lore. I don't know. That's that's all right. That that, that crash and burned at the end. But I think pieces. They're not really quite related, but I think pieces of the third edition ended up into Elder Scrolls Online. That's an interesting one. Yeah, yeah. You're you're. I think you're right on that. Oh, you're talking about the Pocket Guide to the Empire third edition. Yeah, parts that are yeah. some parts that aren't related to the Empire end up in Elder Scrolls Online. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the Elder Scrolls Online also has the Lestia Argonian Maid, which wasn't written until the end of the Third Era. So It also has, uh, what was that one book? Uh, it was written by the Dwemer guy from Skyrim, so that should right. the, the well, general yeah. online's in a kind of time weird. It could have conceivably been alive. Actually, he would have because dude's like 2,000, 3,000 years old. So mm-hmm. He could have written that as a very young or Lore to me, Septimus Cygnus. Uh, I mean, like, uh, oh, him. Well, yeah, no, he's not. Yeah, when you said the Dwemer guy, I thought you meant yeah, not, not, the, not the Dwemer himself, the guy obsessed yeah, with him. I thought you meant Tamrielic lore because that was in there. Okay, um, that's a great name for a book. 
Oh, I love that. I love the name Tamarillic Lore. To me, lore is the collection of not just writings, but it could also be the folk beliefs, the generally accepted um, folklore. It could be oral tradition. It could be things that people say but aren't necessarily written down. Like The guys in the basement in Hackdirt. Yeah, I mean, things that might be considered aesthetics to some, like the design of a building, could have more behind it. I mean, that could be part of your visual lore for like when someone says Shadenhall or, or Sedanine or Orsinium, you see certain things in your mind. And mm-hmm. that might be verging more into headcanon, but to me, that's part of what lore is, it is the setting is actually involved. So it can be a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But it's not necessarily only the written books and the written words. There's a lot more to it. It's also what the player experiences in the game and what, uh, how the player interprets certain things as well as lore, I think. Yeah. So if you get you know ambushed by uh, by thieves on a particular road in Oblivion, then it's safe to say that yeah, is that lore? Is it safe to say that that road has thieves on it? Or it's safe to say that the thieves have glass armor? Right. Yeah. Well, that's, 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 yeah. Uh, that's an in-game engine sort of thing. If it's possible for thieves to attack you on a road, then the developer of the game obviously made pathing as such that thieves frequent that road. So I would say it's safe to say that in lore, at least during the time period the game took place, there might be bandits along, let's say, the gold road or whatever. Sure. But if you are, if as an Oblivion player, by sheer chance of luck, you just happen to be attacked every time you go down that road, then you could possibly argue, you could make the uh, conclusion that that particular road has a hell of a lot of thieves on it. And so it becomes, yeah. and so yeah. your personal experience then affects the lore of the game by you saying, well, I look, all I'm saying is when I played Oblivion, I got attacked all the damn time on that road. And that's all there is to it. Off. Yeah, except, well, as always, damn corrupt Imperial <laughs> Legion. Um, so, uh, what, somebody mentioned, uh, um, uh, books and uh, can, can anybody think of any books in the Elder Scrolls universe in the Elder Scrolls games that are directly contradicted by the game itself? For uh, example, there's a book that mentions a book in Oblivion, a uh, Black Horse Courier thing that mentions a book by Quill Weave that says that the Doomstones do nothing and are not actually magical, right. which you can very easily prove wrong. The book, the book varieties of Faith says the Nords were taught the Thum by the daughters of Kine. Skyrim introduces the character of Parthenax, who taught the tongues to shout. So, unless you want to say there's like a metaphorical lesson to be learned there, then that is a direct contradiction between lore and um, gameplay. Well, that's when that's when the Elder Scrolls lore community picks up something like that and then says, "Well, why would whoever wrote Varieties of the Empire say that the?" You know what? What's the motivation behind that? Why did he say it was the daughters of kind? Is he mistaken? Is he wrong? Is he stupid? Parthenax seems to be a bit of a secret. Yeah, well, obviously no one would know about Parthenax except for the emperors and the graybeards. So, and only a few. And so of that's the where the daughters of kind thing things comes from because the books were not written for the player. There, that's actually another interesting thing that we have to remember about lore is that. 
none of the books in the game were written specifically for the player to read. Well, except maybe the lessons. Except maybe the lessons, right? That's so an argument that can be made, yeah. Oh, yeah, here's the thing. An Imperial scholar probably went to Skyrim, went to the first uh, temple of kind that he found and said, hey, where did the Thum come from? Well, the daughters of kind taught it to mankind many, many years ago. This is our right. sacred tradition. We all believe it. And he didn't really get any farther than that because he didn't need to. How much research is a guy going to do? Eventually, he's going to figure out that Parthenax is on the top of stone of uh, of stone yeah. throat, and then they're going to kill him. He's going to be locked, and he's going to be like, "Well, I can't find anything from these guys." There are also reasons to believe that Kine was the origin of the Thum. Like in all the descriptions of Thum before Skyrim, especially, everything seemed like it was referring to unrelenting force, which is something of a storm from your voice, which Kine is kind of all about. Well, the 36 lessons refer to a couple of instances of Thum as being something like, uh, you know, like uh, what's her name's event denouement, where she's able to sing, in other words, shout the. the end of a, a battle, and then that's what actually happens. Yeah, she, she's um, like a tale. She sings a tale, and, and it actually unfolds before. I like the guy that right. ate blood and like regurgitated it into like warriors and stuff. That was a really cool ability. But Boaga, I think, was his name. Yeah, Boaga, something. Yeah. Uh, I think it was either Father of Mud or Mouth of Mud or, or mm-hmm. something like that. And Izmir, who always appears as a bearded king, that was a good mm-hmm. Not the case, but that, um, yeah, we'll see. The thumb is a thing. Uh, Children of the Sky makes it sound like all Nords run around naked shouting, and, right? <laughs> well, to be honest with you, on the games previous to that, I mean, which Nords do you remember from Morrowind? Well, the naked ones, so you know, yeah, <laughs> they just got tricked by witches again. Again, well, like, oh, tried to kill me, so <laughs> those are my two impressions. All the guards and Sky- all the guards and Skyrim need is shouting, and then suddenly they're basically the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pretty much. Well, yeah. So, but, but this is uh, but when you take uh, a book such as uh, what I forget which book it is in Skyrim that tells you that there are four thousand steps up Stone Throat. Seven thousand. Seven thousand, uh, whatever. And there are really not seven thousand steps. Yeah, that's and, one of the first part I've heard. You can That's hand wave that away and say, well, yeah, but they couldn't actually render in the game an actual life-size mountain. They actually That's kind true. of... Uh, yeah, in the book, doing it wrong. It, it is kind of short now that I think of it. I can see hills just north of where I am that are taller. Right. Yeah. But see, that's the thing about uh, that's the thing about Skyrim, and that's the thing about the Elder Scrolls games is that you could just kind of hand wave it away and say, well, yeah, engine limitations, but. The real way to say it is, well, it's all metaphorical. It's, you know, 7,000 steps metaphorically. It's, you know, it's the, it's like it's like the Alcoholics Anonymous 12 steps, except there's 7,000 of them. Or is it 7,000 steps because it takes a really ass long time and people give up because a goddamn uh, uh, Yeti jumps in and, and rapes you even when you're only level three or what? If you can run fast enough, the graybeards will take care of it for you. That's true. <laughs> Um, yeah, and that's a, that's a, that's another great piece. And speaking of that uh, that uh, snow troll, I mean, the guy there's a guy down in that town who specifically tells you, "Yeah, man, going to be a couple of wolves, barring that, no problems." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what's funny? In ESO, you can't go anywhere near the top. You can only go up like a quarter mile or something. But there's nothing huh. but 
trolls. <laughs> it's all really? trolls. Jesus. You gotta get a flower for an alchemist to complete a quest in the rift. And like it's all frost trolls, like up the path. So that's like that a slap awful. in the face to people that hated that frost troll. <laughs> I think it was like my first death in Skyrim. And Oh yeah. Oh totally. Yeah, most people's. Yeah. Up until that point everything was cool. I was fine. Yeah. No yeah, problem. It's like I can't beat that. Oh god. Especially when you're I, I killed a dragon. I killed a dragon in White Run. I'm like, I'm badass. I can take anything. And then the Cross <laughs> Cross Troll says, Nope. Yeah. <laughs> there I go. But yeah, that's that's an example. He's not necessarily there in lore. Um there I guess since they designed him to spawn there, that you could say that at that period in time there is a troll. You could take All things the in the game. Yeah, all the time. Yep. There's always a troll. He's like the frost giant on Solstheim. When one dies, like one magically <laughs> like, springs from the snow from the earth itself. <laughs> but, yeah, so, so like, mm-hmm, would you say limitations of the dra- the game engine or the game engine itself like kind of helps with the lore or not? I mean, like, mm-hmm. is that part of lore? Well, it, you know, it, it's kind of a personal approach to how you take things. I mean, either you get, you I mean, if it's, are you a skeptic or an optimist? You know, I mean, are, are you going to look at a game engine limitation and just go, oh, it's just a game limit, engine limitation, whatever? Or are you going to use the difference there as an excuse to invent something cool? You know? Yeah. Like, I mean, uh, they did, yeah. They, you can even see that, but just in like the lessons themselves, like the spiked waters at the edge of the map. Right. One. Yeah. Perfect That's example. A, yeah. <laughs> It's a joke about Red Guard, I think. Not a joke, but a reference to Red Guard. Where it, it was a could be. It was lore. Yeah. It was, it was lore and it was a reference. But the, the, the it's actually because of the context and the. I'm, God, I'm such a friggin' nerd. The, the, because of the context that shows up in, it's actually conceivable that Kirk Wright might not have even been thinking about that, but whatever. <laughs> All right. Um, but, uh, uh, nerd. So the, uh, but, when we talk about engine limitations, like one of my favorite things to bring up is in Oblivion, where they talk about how they they've universally banned the levitation spell. Yeah, and uh, it's obvious that they did that because you can't jump over walls in Oblivion because of the engine limitations because of cities. Derp, derp, derp. Right. There's yeah. nothing there. <laughs> yeah, you, you can jump over the walls, but there ain't nothing there. And the the idea of banning levitation was, I mean, again, you could have just not put the spell in the game. Yeah. Well, there's uh, another reason. I think they also did it because dungeons tend to have like high ground that you can right. shortcut through. But yeah, to- levitation does wreck a lot of stuff in uh, in in video games. The ability they to first, fly. They first did it in uh, in Mornhold in Tribunal. There was like some kind of a. Yeah. They said that Almalexia mm-hmm. well, Alma banned it. She basically was like, "I'm a god. No more levitation." Yeah, right. no more fooling around because you can levitate outside of uh, Almalexia City and then find out you're actually in an interior location. Yeah, that, and I think they designed, they designed a lot of the dungeons to be really big and cavernous, and they wanted you to actually go along the platforms and explore them. Like when you defeat right. the orc, uh, not the orc, the uh, goblin war chiefs down there, you actually have to do a lot of really convoluted. You can levitate down there. Oh, you can. If you go, if you go under tribunal, you can levitate in the dungeons. So. I gotta mention though how this actually turns into lore. They actually use that plot point in the novels, the paperback novels, because apparently they say that because it was banned, the knowledge was actually lost and it had to be recovered. 
So there's wow. there's a there's a plot point where the synod know how to levitate, but they hoard the knowledge to themselves and they don't teach other mages. But one of, the that's one of the one of the alchemist, and she actually finds out how to make a potion that allows you to levitate, and that's how the protagonists get onto the floating city. In the first place. That's cool as hell. Oh yeah, oh, that's, yeah, that's yeah, the reason that. spell making isn't in Skyrim. Yeah, spell making. Yeah, spell, spell making. Like, and you can do oh, it in Oblivion. Like in Morrowind, spell making, a person can do it. In Oblivion, you had to use a stand. In Skyrim, it's just not there. Maybe that could. Yeah. Maybe they've forgotten how to do it. Well, that's uh, you guys remember uh, Daria's uh, um, uh, 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 logarithmic um, mythic chart. Oh, the, the farther along you go in a, in a in a kelpa, uh, like it starts highly mythic and then drops rapidly and then starts to climb again. Down. And according to her chart, her, spe- her, her she's she's speculating that Skyrim marks the beginning of the rise back up again. And yeah. uh, that's why dragons much, and you literally go to Sovngarde. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so I suppose you could say that there's an argument to be made that um, that future Elder Scrolls games are going to have a lot more spells and a lot more spell diversity. But I think that's a, probably a safe bet to make, considering the fact that the new engines uh, for the new uh, next gen systems are so are supposedly going to be so ridiculous that they'll be able to do practically any damn thing they can think of. They're going to have like 16 times as much RAM as you had before. Yeah. 32 times as much RAM, actually. So, mm-hmm. and storage is technically infinite because everything's up in the cloud. <laughs> RAM is big I I thought that the mythic thing, like where it would go less mythic and then more mythic, was because the Kalpa ended and a new one began. Is that wrong? I because this is the last. It could be. Yeah, I honestly don't remember. You can you can even sort of see that in the games. Like Redguard seems pretty uh, magical. <laughs> and you can tell, like, Cy- Cyrus is an everyman, but he's definitely not uh, weirded out by anything. That's what I How far have you gotten in Redguard? Me? Um, not very far. I uh, haven't even gotten Hunding to uh, show up. So I'm pretty sure. I, I, I keep, it keeps on it keeps on uh, crashing on me whenever I try to pick up certain items. So yeah, I that's figure out a way. pretty typical of most people's experiences. Yeah, but it just the game just crashes like crazy. Mm-hmm. Though mm. Daggerfall is kind of mundane, like even compared to like Morrowind, it's yeah. awfully uh, it's sword and sorcery. Standard Western RPG tropes are very prevalent. You have like a mithril dwarven katana, you know, and stuff like that. <laughs> it's clearly pre pre uh, pocket god lore. I I literally found a magical bra that was better than my current armor. <laughs> I, I could not wear my I could not wear my armor over the magical bra, but it made me attack so much faster that I had to take it and use it. And I just thought that was ridiculous. I should bring back magical bras. We should do it. I hope you're a dude today. too. Just wearing a bra. The magical dress, yeah. Uh, yeah. I remember very clearly the first time I played Morrowind, finding out that my male character could wear a skirt. Mm-hmm. All and right. Because I was looking at, I, I can't remember what it was like. It was one one of the character. I think it was the ordinators who were walking around with that sort of kilt kind of thing that they have. Yeah. I don't remember. I and I thought, wait a minute, that looks awesome as hell. And then I ended up putting a skirt on my character, and I was like, kind of looks the same. 
Sure, we'll go with that. Uh, and it wasn't until a long time uh, later that I realized I was winning. I was wearing women's clothing, and it just seemed perfectly natural. And I was like, hmm, <laughs> hmm. We all reached that conclusion. Mantling the vac. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, don't question it. it feels I good to it. I don't really think the Donner care about that, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. Our clothing is actually kind of an interesting thing when it comes to lore, like how Kaji and Argonians can't wear shoes or whatever happened there. Yeah. A lot of them oh, yeah. Like, uh, that was, like, lore affecting the gameplay instead of... Vice versa? Is, yeah. Well, what, uh, if I recall correctly, wasn't that around the same time that they decided there were going to be different versions of the Khajiit and the Argonians? Oh, yeah, yeah I, I think... But I know that, that yeah, they were a different faiths, the moon are going or Khajiit. Right. I don't know which one though. Yeah, I'm not sure either. I think that, I, I remember that was one of the reasons why they came up with the morphic uh um uh forms of the Argonians and the Khajiit was because they realized that I think it was oblivion or something like that, they couldn't do the um backwards facing feet anymore. This this was before that. Um when they were making Morrowind, they decided they made a stylistic make the Khajiit and the Argonians much more bestial than they had been before. But then they had to reconcile that with their appearance in Daggerfall and Arena, so they started with all this background stuff about, like, oh, well, the Argonians that, that lived the history that far are more human-looking, or, well, the Khajiit are born under different cycles of the moons. And that stuff never really was talked about much in Morrowind, but it was more like the, the design document type stuff and, and forum posts and developers type stuff. But it was around, like, in 2000, because a lot of the stuff on TIL there's that lore that like the developers have created but not added into the game yeah yeah they get a lot out through forums yeah which is also very useful to talk about because that's just another form of lore that you're going to end up with in the Elder Scrolls and I mean just limiting yourself to what you can pick up in the video games is one way to do it but you're going to end up with a lot of unanswered questions that way if you ignore forum posts Yeah. yeah There's a lot of stuff. Hey, the pocket guide to the Empire. I'm glad someone brought that up earlier. Um, Skyrim's loading screens quote it directly like 15 different times. And it doesn't ever appear in any of the games. But clearly it's a book, like you said, that's in the universe that people still have copies of it, you know, reprinted from way back in the day. But you never actually yeah. you won't see it sitting on a table in Markarth or something, you know. Same but with uh, Many-Headed Talos and Aldudaga. Yeah, right. like the many-headed mm-hmm. Talos especially is quoted directly, and the Elder Daga is just sort of off, kind of referenced. Yeah, but, by the uh, painted cows. Yeah, yeah. Is the Elder Daga was that a developer book? I don't know. Michael, Michael the seven Paul? fights of the Elder Daga were. Uh, yeah, it was Kirkwright uh, posted it to the um, to the forums. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was after. Okay, Scott but before it came out. Go on. Yeah. Did uh did Kirk Pride, when he posted it, did he post it after he was working there? I bet you he did, didn't he? After Morrowind. He quit yeah. before the first expansion of Morrowind came out, didn't right. he? Right. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, actually, uh, well, uh, uh, yeah. But the thing about it is he quit then, then Oblivion came out, and then when they announced Skyrim, he posted very soon after. Within, Monte. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. Yeah, he posted the uh, Seven Fights of the Elder Daga afterwards. Yeah, did um, the 500 companions like in 2009 or something? Yeah. Myth of the Nord. So he's kind of hinting something. And then you've got the the boat, Iskermore's boat being the companions. Uh, no, not mm-hmm. Iskermore, Geek of the River. 
All right. Oh, you got to read the song. <laughs> the companion. Right? Yeah. There you go. And then you got the companion, just an entire faction and things. That's really cool, actually, the way they just turned the boat upside down and, and made it the first oh, yeah. ball. That's how they used to build. They, they build houses like that in real life all the time. Yeah, they would yeah. just turn the longboats over and yeah. make it up. Although you don't see that in like the Greenland areas or anything like that. For some reason. Really? Hmm. Interesting. Um, but, I mean, obviously, you probably won't find that because the boats have rotted away. And, uh, yeah. Parts of the boat. Parts of the boat. I don't know. I, I haven't looked at the research most of the archaeology that. Well, um, so uh, in you know, just to summarize so far, what when we talk about lore, we're talking about anything you see or hear or read in a video game, um, stuff that we pick up from forum posts from developers and other, and uh, you know, former and current. Um, uh, which I should also mention, there have been a couple of posts to the forums that were by that were written in character, yeah. and people speculate that it was a developer writing it, but we don't really know. So that kind of makes things a little confusing. Oh, and also to make things additionally confusing, some of the developers post as their pseudonyms. So, yeah. um, yeah, who plays Shiogorath? Which which guy was that? Who was Shiogorath? That, that was Gary Noonan. I think. Yeah, that's right, Gary Noonan. Um, hmm? No, he's, he's named after Ted, but it was Gary playing him, right? I think so. I'm yeah, pretty okay. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Yeah, and uh, um, I don't know how often Kurt used to post to the forums. I don't know at all, but uh, but then um, so anyway, so that so that's forum posts. Um, we're also including external sources like books, um, of which we only, thankfully only have two to worry about. It's not Star Wars, not yet. Oh, um, don't worry, Star Wars. We screwed over, but. Uh, <laughs> well, Red Card had the pocket guide and the comic book, but it was just, it was like issue seven, and you never saw any of the other ones. <laughs> yeah. I like that one. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> mm, I can't, I, I, I guess we pretty much covered everything, uh, which is good because we we're trying to keep today short. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, we know what lore is, at least. Um, and it's important, I should say, it's important to note that lore does not have to be accurate, as we said. There are books about the universe that don't necessarily represent the quote-unquote truth. Like, there right. aren't just walking around shouting casually as if it's breathing or something. That's clearly propaganda. Yeah, look at the definition, like, the, like the actual, not uh, as we define it in terms of this, but the actual definition of lore. You know, it's, it's usually by oral tradition. Shit gets yeah. lost or gets altered, embellished, you know, yada yada. It gets changed, and uh, um, it's it's a living. You know, that's, that's one thing I wanted to say earlier too. It it's a living document, if you will. Mm -hmm. It's always changing. It's always being updated. Um, you know, which very fits with the word uh, beautifully. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that it's going to change a lot. Um, yeah. the, there was a rumor mill going around that they were going to reboot the Elder Scrolls franchise. Uh, which means that was blown out of proportion. And I, I think so too. But um, if like like just speculating here, really if they do decide so to like, possibly a misinterpretation, but if they do decide to completely, 
in an interview that they were going to reboot the Elder Scrolls in the next generation, but I'm not sure what that means. Right. I think he just yeah. it's going to be the next step up, you know, but let's, let's hear Nelson out here. Well, uh, what, what I'm trying to say is that, like, I mean, a part of me thought that he might be talking about remaking some of the games. Oh, I okay. think it may have occurred to him that so much money and time has been dumped by fans into remaking Morrowind for absolutely goddamn every system out there. Yeah. Um, uh, that it might it might have occurred to him that it might be worth investing some time into doing it again on a on a, a with more expensive graphics. Yeah, um, in a sort of a hanglish kind of way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, which is not you know I mean sure uh, if he's you know, although I hopefully he picks up Tamriel Rebuilt because my God, is that pretty? Yeah. Um, but uh, I think uh, uh, if he is talking about just rebooting the franchise altogether, he could be talking about bringing, like making, he could be just talking about making a game that takes place in the first era or the second era or something like that. Yeah. Uh, not, not actually rebooting the series and going, okay, throw out all that, all those other games and crap never happened. Let's just do something totally new. I, I don't see that happening. Right. But if it does, I'm actually kind of looking forward to it because I am more than happy to write oodles and oodles and oodles of forum posts explaining how this is all just, you know, the next Kalpa has happened. Yeah, and they have a <laughs> they have a mechanism for rebooting already included in exactly. the world. So. It works out really well. When someone asked Todd if he would ever abandon, like, the setting of Camriol, he said no because... He has spent like more than half of his life contributing to it, and he kind of feels like it's his baby in a way. And he really mm-hmm. loves Tamriel, and uh, he can't really imagine himself abandoning the series, or you know, uh, like because they were gonna, they were real, they were trying to convince him to make like a Game of Thrones, and he says, "Well, no, they've already got Tamriel, and to him, it's a much more interesting setting." You know, Elder Scrolls Six and Game of Thrones. <laughs> Thank it was just going to be an RPG, but it's going to be that setting. But Todd said that pretty early on, they all looked at each other and said, no, like we've already got a really good IP here. Why would we change yeah. the setting? That's, that's hilarious that somebody turned to Todd Howard and offered him Game of Thrones IP yeah. and he turned it down. Yeah, he didn't How insane is that? He's no, we're good. How yeah, rich do you strong. have to be? How incredibly friggin' wealthy do you have to be to look at the Game of Thrones IP and the money that'll bring with it and just be like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Todd, Howard, man. Todd freaking Howard. He yeah. inherited some of Bilbo's gold, you know. He's a hobbit. He's, you know, <laughs> no, I think like just Elder Scrolls and Bethesda's like success in general is really, really impressive. Like this yeah. was an IP that created I, itself through games I, alone I, I and marketing. Skyrim was going to be. He was that confident. He's like, well, we've got this really great game coming out. We're going to have more money than we've ever had. You know, we're going to do what mm-hmm. we want. They did this Fallout Three was also ridiculous. Yeah, Yeah. but that's what I love the most. Like, I'm sorry to be uh, just we're just going to kiss Todd Howard's ass for a little while here, but it drives me absolutely insane that the guy made a first person role playing game that sold to that many people. I mean, that was uh, that that it's I I I can't even begin to think like the number the sheer numbers on how many people bought Skyrim is ridiculous. It's usually think of it as a niche genre. It definitely yeah, was right. back when, back in like Morrowind, the days of Arena uh, and Daggerfall and yeah, Morrowind even. Morrowind yeah. sold way more copies than you'd expect something of its genre to. Oblivion sold way more copies. Fallout but, 3 even sold way more copies. Yeah. Since it's sort when of the same kid, genre. When I was a kid, and, like the RPG Baldur's Gate and the people that played it were like a niche group. It was kind of like 
you had the anime kids, you know, you had the death metal kids. There were like five of them at school. You had the, you had the fantasy nerds. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Us, you know, it's at the table. So <laughs> I was one too. Yeah. Yeah. Was like the kids with like the Godzilla t-shirts and the Star Wars t-shirts and stuff. And it, it was an overlap. Not overlap but, oh yeah. I used to play magic uh, at high school all the time. Yeah, magic. My brother's a big magic player. Yeah. He's one of like champions in Tennessee or something. So we talk about so, even Gillian in our time off, you know, yeah. And cool kids. All this is obscure, but Elder Scrolls somehow managed to not be, despite having yeah. Yeah, it broke through. It broke through into the mainstream in a big way. I, really I wore did. my Dovahkiin helmet to work, and this <laughs> this is the he had like overalls. He had a big water backer said, "You look like you're from Windham." <laughs> <laughs> oh. That's what Skyrim is. People, not only did he know it was from Skyrim, but he knew a town in Skyrim. That mm-hmm. was awesome. A, a city yeah. in Skyrim. I mean, it might have been a storm cloak, but still. He was able to name a location in the Elder Scrolls universe, and this guy probably, like, rolls hay for, you know, a living, and that, that was awesome. What's really interesting is that they somehow, managed to, get, they somehow <laughs> managed to get more popular each time that I, I think they might have hit some sort of critical mass in this with Skyrim, but they get so popular each time that people don't know their earlier games of the series often. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. We're talking about Morrowind 2, no Elder Scrolls no. 4, Oblivion yeah. 2, <laughs> Elder Scrolls 5, Skyrim yeah. 2, Elder Scrolls 6. Six. <laughs> I'm not sure if it'll get past that, though. I'm not sure if anything could have played. Skyrim was successful enough that just through pop culture, you're going to probably hear of it. Yeah, but from this from this point on, they're pretty much you. You kind of think like, are they just are they at peak you know volume? I mean, if they, when they've hit when you hit like you know Call they of Duty numbers. Bigger. Well, I mean, but yeah, I mean, when you hit the Call of Duty number range, like I mean, I, I, it eventually kind of gets to the point where you start wondering: it does this is is it just a case of everyone who has this console has this game? You know? Two and a half years, and people are still playing. It's still in the top ten played on Steam. Yeah. yeah, and even then, the mods allow it so that people will buy two copies often enough because they buy it on a console. Then they hear about the mods, they're like, "Oh, I should probably get it on PC." Then, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they say all that. I'm like, man, I want to have a Thomas the Tank Engine flying around in my Skyrim. So. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Did you, see, did you guys train see the uh, Wheels of Lull, Train Wizards' new thing, the Wheels of Lull? Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited for that. It looks so good. I need to find more Train Wizards stuff, though. Cause it it's it's actually good. remarkably difficult to do because different people upload it for him because he's been banned from, like, everywhere. So, um, Is he just a jerk or something? Well, I, 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 don't, I don't think so at all, but he's definitely not the kind of guy who's going to soften the blow. You know? I have, uh, I, I have experience with being a jerk and be with being a jerk in a modern community and not being banned. Yeah. The mods at Nexus mods are kind of uh, like the moderators. They're uh, mm. yeah, they're pretty <laughs> oh, right, serious. Nexus. I forgot that they're a bit odd. Uh, <laughs> moderators in general like the delete threads and things. That's just mm. anyway. Actually, uh, speaking of mods, are mods lore? That's a good question. 
Uh, see, now you're straying into canon and coda, and that's a, that's for a different time. Yeah, we're going to do an episode about that. In the Yes. Yeah, but that's that's definitely something I want to have like some material prepared for. Like I want to I want to show up with both hands, you know. Uh, so how about we make this maybe argument. a transition? Our mods lore. What is when well, we define that, lore? How far can you stretch that definition? Yeah, know? we're not doing that today. Not yeah. doing that today. <laughs> transition. Don't got the time. This will come in the future. Um, okay. <laughs> Um, well, I got to say one thing real quick, though. Well, I, I really like when mods take pre-existing lore. Like, um, someone took, like, the, the dragon that was mentioned in uh, Yagram's book. Hi, hi, I'm never going to say his name, but you get his fang in um, oh, cool. Tomorrowland. And they actually modeled a dragon. Of course, it turns out later that the Wamasus is actually not a dragon, but it's like a Komodo dragon. So that's the way oh. so happy. Hmm. So kind of yeah, what's the term I use for those? It's not lore friendly. Lore friendly is something different. That's like lore uh, uh, wallowing yeah, or whatever. Right. Yeah. Ideally speaking, like the really serious mods out there should be creating new lore or expanding on unexpanded or vague lore. Like I'm talking specifically about Tatter Demelian here, but we all know about that. Um, I was about like integration, which is a mod for Oblivion, which expanded a lot on Daedric lore. Right. And yeah. uh, like spell making in Skyrim is a mod that does a bit with lore when it comes to spell making. Oh, cool! Like uh, you got a boat called the Tamruk. <laughs> <laughs> cool. <laughs> well, um, anyway, I think we should probably call it at that. I mean, we're trying to keep this short, and we're already into like forty minutes. So. Um, uh, thanks very much for watching. For all of those, uh, for those of you who bothered, uh, we will catch you later. Whenever we do that, well, <laughs> could be anytime. So long, folks. Bye.